Welcome, and thanks for stopping by. Whether you're watching us on YouTube or listening to our podcast on one of your favorite platforms, I'm glad you're here. At this time, I would like to thank our partners and sponsors for their dedication to helping the show to grow. We cannot do what we do without their help. You reached the Millennium Beat. I'm your host, Kevin James. Today, I have on the computer with me, Kyle Jetzel. Kyle, thanks very much for being on today. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Kevin. Hey, uh, let's find out a little bit about Kyle. Let's start from the very beginning. Uh, where were you originally born? So you probably hear, as I talk, you'll probably hear what I call a Texas ghetto accent. It's because I was born in uh, oh. inner city Dallas in a, in a little area okay. called Oak Cliff. Oak Cliff, and it's kind of a kind of a rougher neighborhood. So I kind of grew up in that area, but uh, and as soon as I could, I moved out. Once I married my wife in uh, in, in 91, 1991. I've been to Texas, and we've talked about it to other people. Uh, I've been there once. I drove a friend that lived in Arlington, Texas. I drove from Massachusetts through Charlotte, North Carolina, to Dallas, and then to Arlington, and then I flew out of there, and and then I flew back once to visit her. And then I flew once there to go to Louisiana to my nephew's wedding. And I had to spend overnight because Dallas, I missed my plane in Dallas because it had left before I even got there. So so I don't know a lot about Texas. Uh, eventually, I want to get there. So that's cool. So so it was a different type of growing up then. So you grew you grew up, you got married, and you got the heck out of Dodge. Yeah, I, I grew up in kind of so, a rough neighborhood. So, so a lot of the things that... I was taught as a young man were, uh, you know, the violence and the threat of violence was a very good motivator. Mm -hmm. And so when okay. I married my wife, I really looked for a very calming, a uh, sweet feminine, pr pretty much a Southern belle to kind of, I think, help me balance out some of that part of my life. <laughs> okay. Right. Now, did it balance it? She did a wonderful job with me. Uh, did it balance she did. Okay. She she must she must have she must have seen that I could be uh, worked with, and really and and I think okay. I think she liked that I was uh, I'll call it uh, full of testosterone, right? To ma to match her yeah. her femininity. Right. My masculinity was probably a little bit too much, okay. And her femininity was over overboard as well. My wife was about the most feminine woman You're you'd ever want to be. I think it worked oh, out wow. well. Yeah, she she brought me towards where I probably should have been. Right now, I'm thinking of she was the prime example of a Southern belle. You know, uh, I I can see imagine like the old Southern dress and you know 
the you know maybe the what do you call it the, the umbrella you know i mean that's what i see i'm not saying she was that but that's what i see in my mind and when you say a nice retreat feminine southern girl a woman you know so uh yeah, so they, she uh, she gave you a balance she actually she saw the potential in you i think yeah i think she did and, and it didn't take her long to to uh she realized where i was from and she knew kind of what i was about mm -hmm. and i i think she in her sweet feminine way realized that i could be uh molded into uh a good man right i think and i think through the way she she worked me and treated me and and loved on me i think that's that was her plan from the beginning i didn't really know she was doing that until you know years and years later when i realized uh, i met some friends that i had grown up with resaw some friends that i had grown up with 15 mm -hmm. years later and they said, boy, you are right. different. <laughs> so she kind of helped, helped mold you. So that's pretty good. So so basically, what, what was going on in the early part of your marriage life? Uh, from like, Because you said you got married in 91. So this is 2023. So I, I know your story a little bit. We'll get into it. But what happened in the early days of, of, of marriage? What was it like? So in the early days of our marriage, uh, we started having kids and we had a couple of boys, typical boys, you know, there were wild okay. animals because that's kind of how, how boys are. And we were doing right. pretty well. And uh, when our third son came along, he was quite a bit different. And it turns out uh, he was diagnosed as uh, severe on the autism spectrum. And this was 20 years ago, almost 20 years ago. And it kind of okay. it kind of dramatically changed our family. And with severe autism comes a lot of uh, unique challenges. Uh, uh, and by that, I mean, if you if you imagine, you know, you've heard some some horror stories of, of autism, uh, violence, right. uh, breaking things, tearing things up, screaming, yelling. We were struggling with this as a family because our, our third son was more severe on the spectrum and was nonverbal at the time and really couldn't communicate. And it created so much stress okay. in our home because we weren't managing it very well, that it started to cause right. some conflict between my wife and I. And over okay. a period of time, I realized that a lot of my past experience in how I manage things, right, growing up, growing up rough and growing up mm -hmm. in, a, in a physical and I'd say almost violent environment sometimes teaches you that physicality and okay. the threat of violence and those things is how to solve problems and and that was really making things worse in our family and so right it, it came to it kind of came to a head and we had a real big uh my wife and i had a real big argument where i was ready to leave my family and she wanted me to leave and i think we got to this impasse oh, wow. between the two of us where we were our, our family was so stressed out and and we were in such conflict you know she was such a beautiful feminine kind person. And I was trying to manage things through the threats, you know, and, and controlling things that I realized that she had lost right. faith in my ability to parent and to be a good husband. Okay. And so I kind of, I kind of threw a, through a series of events of events, made a decision that, that I needed to change myself. You know, my kids weren't the problem and my wife wasn't the problem. I was the problem. And I needed mm -hmm. to look at a, a better way to manage myself and my family. And that was really when I, I kind of went on a journey to become the husband she needed me to be and become the father 
my kids needed to be. And I didn't okay. want to leave. I knew that wasn't the right thing to do. And so mm-hmm. I kind of made it my quest to become, you know, I'll call, I'll call it the, the greatest dad ever. Right. And to solve the, the family problems we were facing. I think I, I can see, imagine, I can remember a, a cup, uh, like a mug, a coffee mug. This is greatest dad ever. I, I, I see you getting that, you know, in a great, you know, greatest dad. So was it, you're, you're willing to change and become the better husband, the better father, which is cool. I mean, that's really good, you know. So so that was in, in the, the part of uh, the early part of your marriage and stuff like that. And um, how, how long, unfortunately, as you said, you'll say in, in the story uh, that your, your wife passed away. How long were you married before that happened? So this was this was in the first 10 years of our marriage. We came to that impasse where because of the stress, we were we were just in trouble. But as I started to as I really started to realize that, you know, when you grow up and you grow up in that, that atmosphere, you think that, you know, strength is being a man and fighting and and right. Being scary and all those things that some some people think that is. but it, it took a lot more strength for me to be passive and kind and loving in those escalated situations, right? And so, over the next mm-hmm. over the next ten years or so, uh, I, through a lot of just work on my part and through a patient, loving, kind wife, we were able mm-hmm. to re, re, repair that relationship. And you know, I, I think Good. probably in, in our twentieth year of marriage, I, I'll never forget one night uh, we used to sit in bed. And we had, we had really started to come together and things, even though we were still facing those autism challenges and still facing life, right? And still hard. She and I had become so mm-hmm. close. And so uh, what our marriage had become what she and I referred to as a top 1% happy marriage. And I'll never forget okay. uh, talking to her one night and we were sitting in bed, kind of chatting about the kids and what was coming up and what was going to happen. And she turned to me and her, her eyes got teared up and she said, you really love me, don't you? And I'll never forget. At first I was confused because we'd been married now for 20 years and I had, you know, fought for our marriage and I had like changed myself to the core to, to make her and the kids happy and to, right. to be a good dad. And, and it kind of shocked me that she wouldn't be sure of that up until this point, right? I, I was thinking, how can you even say that? How could you even question that? And it made me realize that in that moment that, you know, sometimes it takes years for, you know, I don't know really what maybe subconscious fears she had or, or, or concerns or worries, but in that moment I realized now she knew. And that was a pivotal point in our relationship because it made me understand that through those 20 years that she stayed with me and she she was patient with me and kind and loved me, she wasn't sure to her right. core that I loved her. And uh, that really was was a pivotal moment for me because it gave me confidence to, that she knew in her right. core that I loved her. And, and for the next, mm-hmm. you know, 10 years of our marriage was probably the, the most beautiful 10 years of our marriage at that wow. point. I've done a little study psychology-wise. I come from a psychologist family. Uh, there's a book called Love Languages. It's by Gary Chapman, uh, Dr. Gary Chapman. I don't know if you ever heard of it. And um, it deals with love languages. And, and, and I think once you get to know your, your wife or your husband's love language, um, because if you go through life and your love language of your wife is quality time, 
but you're always working. You never spend any time for it. You could be paying all the bills and giving her the nice house and the nice car, but her love language is, is quality time. She doesn't think you love her because you don't spend any time with her because you're so busy doing other things for her. You know, so somehow whether you knew it or not, you must have clicked onto her love language. And, 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 and then she now says, Hey, I feel the love. I, my tank is being full. So, I mean, whether you mentally did it, knowing it or not, it, it, it you kind of did. Yeah. When you, uh, when you do, when you focus on your wife and kids and decide I'm going to be the greatest husband ever or the greatest dad, you know, it's, it's really, it's not a destination. It's really a journey. And so, yeah, I read that book along with probably a hundred other ones. <laughs> so right. you're, you're, no, right. Sure. you're right. And I, and I realized that to become what I wanted to be, other people, you know, I, everybody, there's so many books out there. There's so many great things that you can read oh, and, and find that. Why would I not, if my goal is to be that, why mm-hmm. would I not go find every book I could find and apply everything I could? And I think you're right that it was the, it wasn't just the reading of them though, more than anything, it was the application mm-hmm. of them and just saying, what can I do? Right. What, what piece of this book am I going to take out and apply in my life right now? And I think, to, right. to the end you're talking about, that is really what gave her those feelings. And I think with our wives, a lot of time it's the effort that really matters, right? Whether we achieve a goal or not, you know, whether we became, whether I became the greatest dad or the greatest husband ever is, is immaterial compared to the fact she knew I was putting in the effort. Right. And I think that is what gets mm-hmm. you, you know, that, those feelings. Yeah. And also gets you those brownie points and, uh, there you go. It's kind of like my, my like my pastor and his wife, and he was going through a funk. And, and she goes, you know, I'll be there with you. I'll live under a bridge. You just got to have a goal. You gotta you gotta press through. And and you know, I'll be with. I'll be standing by you. You know, and and stuff. So so you basically that was like the first ten years we went on. Then the next ten years. So that brings you up to said two thousand one to two thousand ten. So that was two thousand twenty. So so you basically your wife passed away just in the last couple of years then. She did. My wife passed away uh, a few months after our 30th anniversary. So how we'll get into that. How do you how do, did you deal with it then? How are you dealing with it now? Because death and, and I've, I've never had a personal wife or I've had parents and grandparents and stuff like that. But how were you dealing with that situation? Well, um, I'll start by saying you never really get through it, but you work. Right. And, and, and I will. Right. I would suggest to you that the same process that I used whenever I decided that I needed to become a better man for my wife and kids was the mm-hmm. same process, you know, that I, you know, when you start to learn, I think a lot of our life is learning frameworks, right? Where do I go? Who do I, who do I look for? What can I find to help me? And I, and I, right. you know, when, when my wife passed away, you know, I realized this can destroy a family, right? This could destroy my oh, yeah. kids. It could destroy me. That's that is possible. And and I, I was determined that that would not happen. And so I knew this wasn't the only I wasn't the only person that it had happened to. And my kids weren't mm-hmm. the only kids that to lose their mother. And so, you know, that sent me on a journey of interviewing people that had lost their parents, that had lost their mothers and fathers or fathers, kids. I mean, I talked to hundreds of people. I, I grabbed books. I started reading them. And I really through that was able to craft a plan. Right. I think too often in our lives, when we're faced with things, when the storm hits us, we're so caught up in the storm that we don't 
have a plan for escaping the storm or at least facing it with strength and courage, right, and faith. Mm-hmm. And so once once it hits, immediately I started doing the research and I started crafting a plan with each of my kids, with myself. You know, what was I going to do each night to help me cope, to help me feel her love, to help me thrive in that situation and, and to continue? You know, she wouldn't want me to fall apart. She wouldn't want our family to fall apart. She would what she would want is for us to live our best lives and, and truly be you know, excel in the areas that we can. And so, you know, I set my kids down and we talked about this stuff and we, you know, and I told them I'm putting together a plan and you guys are going to be a part of it. I'd like you to, to join me in, in mm-hmm. working to make her proud and living fun, full, happy lives. And so, you know, I think one of the, one of the things I think we fail to do too often is we, when we're in the storm, we almost think, you know, when the storm is over, or I can't wait till the storm is over, right? And we and and we don't really right. do anything. We just we just wait. And and certainly time can help heal those things. But I'm not that kind of person, right? If something's happening and I, I see a challenge, if I'm I'm facing a huge storm and I see a challenge, I'd rather start to work. Work helps me working on it or trying to figure something out, a plan of action helps gives me faith and it gives me hope and it gives me strength. I'm not the kind that likes to sit in the storm and just okay. be battered and beaten. And so, and so I think, you know, what, one of the things that I did do, right. and you and I, I think probably which one of the reasons we're talking is I documented uh, every night I would sit down and write in my journal. And I documented okay. my thoughts and my feelings and my actions and how I was going to face these, you know, this tragedy and what I was going to do to, mm-hmm. Uh, continue to to live a happy, uh, full, buoyant, exciting life, right. right? And so that 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 really leads me to what you and I talked about, which is I I wrote a book, and it's called uh, it's called 180 Days Facing My Biggest Fear, um, and I call it that because prior to my wife's passing, a few years prior to her passing, I, I, my my brother and I. We're just having a conversation between two brothers. You know how you just talk with your brother about silly stuff and a bunch of nothingness. And he right. hit me with this question. He said, what's your biggest fear, Kyle? And without batting an eye, without even thinking about it, I said, losing Shelly, my wife. And, right. and you know, it, and we just talked about different things. And I didn't really think about it much more after that until she passed away. And I realized in that moment, right. I this I was facing my biggest fear. What's the biggest fear I can face? And so, uh, yeah, that book is, uh, I, I, I'm going to give you a link and I, I'm happy for you to post it. It's just a PDF document. It's a, it's uh, my, it's my journey for the first uh, 180 days, six months after my wife passed away and our plan and what we did okay. and what I thought and some pretty deep, painful thoughts and some pretty exciting thoughts and all those things that really carried me through those first six months after her passing. Um, I know we'll have that link for the PDF and stuff like that. If some of the other listeners or viewers wanted to get a hold of you, uh, what do you want to share publicly? Any emails or any websites or anything like that? How could can people get a hold of you? Because they might be going through the same situation. They need it. They know where the PDF will be, but anything else, where do they go? Yeah, so my contact information is in the PDF, but also if you want to reach out to me, uh, you can email me at any time at uh, Kyle 
at, I call myself Kyle at drivenautismdad.com. And that's my email. I call myself the Driven Autism Dad. It's kind of a moniker I placed on myself, you know, uh, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. right? When I, when I realized I needed to be driven, I needed to work, I needed to face these challenges head on. And if my life was going to change, it was up to me to change it. And, and, you know, I really do believe that, that, that event with my kids prepared me and, and, and made me the kind of guy that could face this tragedy, that the tragedy that I've, I've struggled with, with my wife, because it, it set the framework right. for me to be able to face these things and realize that it's not really what it's not really what happens to us in life that really defines who we are, right? We get to write things are gonna happen to all of us. We're all gonna face struggles and tragedy and difficulties. It's mm-hmm. and, and we've all heard this before. It's it's how we react to that and what do we do in response to that that really is the the part of our, our life's movie that we get to to write. And so you know, I, I call myself the driven autism dad and, and I'm still now I'm just the driven dad and I'm the driven husband. But yeah, Kyle at driven autism dad is how you can contact me via email. But I, I'm still I'm driven okay. to still. And again, it's a journey to be the best dad I can be for, you know, my kids who are still here with me and to and to to give them every right. opportunity to thrive through this tragedy. You know, I, I one of the things I found that was very interesting and I'll share this because it's, it was really powerful for my kids. I found an article that that claimed that uh, a high percentage of our presidents and uh, the presidents of the United States and and individuals who had achieved a very high level of success uh, mm-hmm. had lost one of their parents at an early age. And in going oh, wow. back and reviewing and, and looking at all those individuals, you know, the thing that was a common, the commonality among all those individuals is that, you know, they looked at this not as a, not as a tragedy that couldn't be overcome. They said, you know what? One of the worst things in the world just happened to me. I lost my mom at an early age. What else is the world going to throw at me that I can't handle? Right. I'm going to go after the world and I'm going to throw caution to the wind because nothing else you can throw at me is, is going to be worse than this. Right. And so it was interesting. I shared this with my kids you know, months after my wife passed away and, and their eyes lit up, right? And I could see that they understood this can be a, a barrier or a challenge that can can uh, affect them and hurt them throughout their lives, or it can be a challenge right. or barrier or event that can propel them. And so we talked about how your mother would want this to propel you, right? Your mother, that's what she would want. And I'm sure that's what you mm-hmm. want. So let it be let it be the fuel that rockets you into, you know, your best self right. and not, and not the, you know, the, the hammer that, that, that damages you and keeps you stuck in the same spot. Okay. So, well, that kind of goes into my next question, but in closing, uh, you've said a few things already, but if I'm listening or watching and I just lost somebody, I know that you can't get them through all the steps and stuff like that. Well, get them on the road. What would you say to them if you were talking to me and I just lost a wife or I lost a mother or father or brother or whatever, lost somebody? What would you say to them in, um, just to get going, to get them on that road? What would you say to them? I would say two things. One is uh, is don't feel like you have to do it alone. Right. People love you. Mm-hmm. Connect with those people. Call those people. Talk to them. Stay very connected to those people. 
quite a bit. If you isolate, your mind will take okay. over and you will spin and it will be it can be very difficult to escape that that challenge. The second thing is right. don't wait any longer to to draft a plan. Sit down and write. Sit down and write to yourself that what is the challenge, right? Whatever it is, write write it out mm-hmm. and, and write out the things that it that it can teach you. Even write down the thing, the ways it can damage you, right? Let's not, let's be honest with ourselves here. Write down all the things that can, you right. can learn or or th- that can hurt you in this situation, but also write down what you want to mm-hmm. get out of it. What's the good stuff you want to get out of it, right? Uh, Napoleon Hill, he wrote "Think and Rope, Grow Rich." I'm sure you're familiar with it. Yep. He says right. for every tra- mm-hmm. for every tragedy or challenge or trial we face in our lives is the seed of equivalent or greater value, right? And the seed, it's not that no matter what we face, we're going to get something that's parallel in greatness. It's the seed of equivalent value. Our job is to nurture that seed, right? And so it's to, Mm -hmm. if we write down, what do we want to get out of this? Or how do we want to grow? Or who do we want to become from this event? Mm -hmm. And then write down a series of steps. What am I going to do today or tomorrow or the next day, every day to achieve that, that greater person that I can become. That is what I think right. you can do. And, and if you get my book, you'll read. That was what I was doing, right? I wasn't content to sit in the storm and just get battered and beaten and bruised and destroyed because it's easy to do that. Right. It's easy to, it's easy to blame the world or blame God or blame, you know, you want to blame somebody, but, and, and you can fall into a right. trap and it can, it can overwhelm you and, and take you places that are unhealthy for you and for those you love. So, Stay connected, number one. Number two, don't wait any longer to create a plan. Sit down and write down how you're going to grow, what you're going to learn, and be intentional about those things. And what steps are you going to take to get every beautiful thing and every every positive thing and every way you can grow possible? And, and that would be, in a nutshell, that would be my two recommendations is to is don't wait. Don't wait until you recover. Face the storm head on, start writing it out, and that will help you recover. Right. Along with the connection of, of other people will help you okay. face that storm in, in in faith and courage and strength. Because other people are rooting for you. Give them a chance to root for you and let, let them help you. Okay. That is good advice to the people that are watching and listening. Uh, we've learned a lot today. We learned a lot about Kyle. Um, we've learned a lot about um, grieving and, and going through some of the process and stuff like that. So. Kyle, I'd like to thank you very much for being on today's show. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Kevin. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, everybody else, you've been listening to The Millennial Beat with your host, Kevin James. I'm glad that you stopped in today. And remember, we like to encourage the world one story at a time. This has been a Millennium Beat LLC production. Views and opinions of the guest are not always the views and opinions of the Millennium Beat LLC. Check us out on social media, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, and TikTok at The Millennium Beat, or on Twitter at Millennium underscore Beat. If you would like to partner with us to reach the world, go to our website for more information. You can go to TheMillenniumBeat.com or TMB2000.net. Your financial support is greatly appreciated. We couldn't do all we do without your support.
The Millennium Beat just updated our website from the ground up. Check it out at themillenniumbeat.com or you can get there by using millenniumbeat.com or tmb2000.net where you'll be redirected to the millenniumbeat.com's homepage. I want to thank Mass Inbound for their awesome work on our website. If you're looking for somebody to build your site, I recommend them. You can reach them at massinbound.com. That is M-A-S-S-I-N-B-O-U-N-D.com. These are some of the things that you can find on our website. Homepage. You can watch our latest YouTube video or listen to our audio podcast. Also listed are some of the platforms our audio podcast is on. You'll find out when the next podcast will air and who the guests will be. On the top right, you'll find two red buttons, Learn How to Help and Become a Guest. Under Learn How to Help, you can become a partner, sponsor, contributor, or contribute to the future Millennium Bus. You can give one time or monthly recurring. The choice is yours. The other button is Be a Guest. Click it, go to the form, and fill it out, and we will get back to you. We would love to hear your story. Click the About Us drop-down where you'll find stats, where we are reaching people, and to find more information on our sponsors. Click on the Podcast drop-down, then click on the Calendar tab where it will tell you when the shows will air and who will be on them. Or if you need to know about any meetups of the Millennium Beat staff, partners, or listeners. Also, there might be on the calendar an event at which the Millennium Beat staff will be at. Click the guest tab for all previous guests, links to their website, social media pages, and any store they might have. Click the forms drop down. There you'll find a release, be a guest, or become a sponsor form. Mm-hmm.